Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 156 of the podcast that was originally recorded on April 8th of 2017. Some of the games I played this week, of course, we got in some Arkham Horror, the card game, a little Ninja Taizen, some Ars Alchemia, a really neat and colorful worker placement game, some City of Spies, Estoril 1942, a little game on my PS4 called Horse Racing 2016, and some Knights of Pen and Paper Plus One on my Android device. I also talked about a few of the things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are up to episode 156 of the podcast, and as always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440. What I'm Playing Now is our guild name. On Twitter, you can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And hopefully my Twitch channel will be live tomorrow night. We actually have uh, some gaming that we're actually planning to do. My wife and I are heading over to a friend's house. We're going to be starting an Arcadia Quest campaign with just the base set, the original base set of Arcadia Quest. There was supposed to be originally four of us. I believe one person has some things come up. So he won't be able to make it, but there's going to be three of us tomorrow. So we plan on streaming, hopefully, the whole um, six-game campaign that we're going to be doing. Hopefully, we're going to get through two of those actual scenarios tomorrow in the campaign. So my wife and I are really looking forward to this, considering we're kind of big Arcadia fans now, Arcadia Quest fans now, since we kind of started playing a couple weeks ago. So we're really looking forward to jumping in, doing, doing a campaign. And I've been wanting to do a lot more with video lately, so I said, what the hell? Let's actually take our laptop and our camera and stuff with us and head over there and and actually get something out on the Twitch channel, which I'm really looking forward to. So keep an eye on twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now uh, tomorrow evening. That will be Sunday evening. And I will be sending out some tweets to this on Twitter and letting everybody know when we're going to begin that. But all right, let's jump into some things that we played for this week. So one of the first games we actually played, the Arkham Files Investigators of Cleveland, met this past weekend. And we actually had four people down at the store this week, a couple of new people that I actually taught the game to for the first time. So we actually played through the first scenario again. And I think this is the third time I played through this first scenario down there. And next week, we're just going to jump into the second scenario and just have people adjust their decks accordingly. This was... Since there were four people playing, I, I didn't want to just break from the, the standard starter decks, and I didn't want to change them around too much, especially with the limited card availability that we had, because we were just playing with my two core sets, so nobody else actually had a box that they had to be able to build their own deck, so we were just playing completely out of my two core sets. It did work. We all had a good time. We were successful. Um, well, I mean, let's just say... We were as successful as the Arkham Horror card game lets you be. I was the lead investigator. I'm not going to go into any spoilers, but we'll just say that going into the next scenario, my lead investigator may have some issues. But I played as Daisy Walker, and this actually may be the character that I stick with. I had a really good time playing as her. It was 
a lot of spells going on and just what she's able to do and what she's brought what she brought to the party. I, I think she's gonna team up pretty well with who some of my teammates are going to be playing with. So I had a great time as playing her. This is the first time I had actually played as her deck. And I threw it together really quick because I really didn't want to play one of the other characters that I had played before. So I had to tear apart one of the decks real quick and build hers and it was crazy. But we we like I said, we got everything done. We were successful. Like I said, as successful as the card game lets you be any any Arkham Elders horror game. You know, it's do you really ever win? I guess we sh we could say it's you know when you do win, it's yeah you did win, but there's always that you know kind of you know but this happened to my character or something like that. So um, had a great time with it. One other thing I want to talk about, I've been trying to kind of bling out, I guess I could say, my Arkham Horror card game set. You know, I got one of the one of the Go 7 inserts that goes in the Hobby Lobby case that I got. Um, I've kind of, you know, got that arranged really great. I got all the sleeves, you know, all the cards sleeved and everything. I was looking for uh, a really nice dice bag. And my wife, you know, has made me several dice bags in the past for some of the games that I've played. Uh, but she's just had a lot going on now that she's working again full time. And, you know, I really didn't want to spend time looking for some material and stuff. So I kind of started poking around Etsy. And one of the things I found is a, a great little bag that I actually just got in a couple of days ago. And my wife and I were looking at the, the dice bag. It was from Daphne Brune, who has a store on there called Needle and Threadly. She also has a website, www.needleandthreadly.com. Um, I will say, this dice bag that I'm going to be using for, um, you know, the tokens in the Arkham Horror Living Card game, it's a it's a Cthulhu bag, um, a really nice, you know, picture on the front with some really great writing on there. The bag is beautiful and it is just constructed great i mean when i showed it to my wife my wife was even impressed considering my wife has made several bags before i mean the 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 size of the bag is perfect for you know sticking your hand in there and shuffling it around and digging the tokens out it's nice and deep it will stand up on its own which is a really really cool thing when you're when the when the bag's kind of just sitting there it'll actually stand up um, i'm really impressed the price was perfect so if you're actually looking for any sort of bags or a dice bag or, you know, chip, well, not dice bag for, you know, Arkham Horror, the card game, card game. But if you're looking for a token bag, you know, to be able to put, you know, the chaos tokens in for this card game, I definitely, definitely will suggest heading out to Etsy, looking at the Needle and Threadly page and some of the different, um, you know, items that they have out there. The item that I ordered uh, was, a, was a special order, but she actually made one available and the turnaround on it was extremely fast. I was really surprised with how fast she actually had it shipped out to me, considering she actually had to make this thing and how fast it actually got to me. I was really surprised with as well. So I was very, very pleased with Needle and Threadly. And if I ever need to get a another dice bag or chaos token bag or any sort of bag maybe for um, any of the games that I'm going to kind of bling out, I will definitely be checking her um, website out and and basically trying to get her to make another one for me because I'm very pleased with this one, I will say. Really well done. I cannot say thank you enough to her for this one. One of the things I also purchased, I was able to pick up some very nice person out on one of the Arkham Horror uh, Facebook groups, 
actually posted that Miniature Market had some of the Terror Tomes from Stonemaier Games back in stock. I was completely stoked um, when I saw this posting. I was able to jump onto the Miniature Market page website very quickly, and I believe there were about five. I think there were seven left when I first first looked. Then when I by the time I got logged in, there were five. I grabbed one. Uh, by the time the day had ended, I believe they were down to one. And I believe that one has sold out since then. It probably didn't last for more than, you know, six to eight hours, I believe. But I was really, really happy. That is actually supposed to be coming this week. So next time when we actually play Arkham Horror, the card game, I will have my new Chaos Token bag. I will have all of my new components from the Stonemaier Terror Tome, which look outstanding. And I cannot wait to get a couple of the people have actually gotten their shipments already from Miniature Market. And they've already posted some pictures on the Facebook group. And I was just so elated that I was able to grab one of those, considering it seems that they are completely out of stock everywhere. I really didn't want to have to buy the whole token trilogy from Stonemaier, although... I probably could have used all of those tokens essentially or, you know, sometime over, you know, in, in various games. But, the you know, the cheapest I think I saw it on one of the sites was like 150 bucks. And, you know, you know I just really didn't want to drop that much just for all those tokens. There's a couple of games I wouldn't mind actually having right now, let alone bling for a game. So, you know, I picked up the Terror Tome because this was something that... Um, I had been wanting for a while and being able to find that really stoked about that. So I will be talking about those probably in the next podcast um, once we get those in and we actually play with them and we'll see what everybody thinks of them. So I think my pretty much collection of bling for, we will say, Arkham Horror, the card game. Oh, one of the things I had also picked up, my wife and I had gone down to, I think, Pacatans or something. And a couple of people had posted on some of the Facebook groups that they were using little easels, little art easels. Uh, to put some of the cards on. And I will say that that actually did work pretty good. Um, being able to read the cards standing up instead of having to try to look down at them, especially where we play, sometimes the lighting isn't the best. And with me sleeving the cards, there's a little bit of glare on them because I'm using the Fantasy Flight sleeves because those are the ones I like. They aren't a matte finish. So sometimes it does get a little tricky reading those. But um, still, those easels did make it a, a little easier and I thought they actually added a little to the game. Uh, I'd like to maybe get those painted. I'm still trying to figure out what colors I kind of want to paint those. Um, I haven't decided yet. So once I do that, I'll mention those as well next time. But that was what we had played on Sunday. I did not make it down to the game store on Monday like I normally do. I had been down there so many days in a row. Um, last week, I kind of just wanted to take Monday off. My wife and I just went out, had a nice dinner, just relaxed, kicked back a little bit. Uh, but I did make it down Thursday, and one of the first games that my buddy Eric and I played, a little game from ILO called Ninja Tyson. Uh, this game looks like it's possibly been out for a couple of years, and ILO might have redone this one and repackaged it. Interesting little game. It's It reminds me of games that are similar to, like, Battle Line. You have a row of tiles in the center of the table. Each person has a village, I guess you could say, on either end of the row of tiles and what you're going to do is each player has so many cards they're going to put those cards shuffle them up put them under the one samurai card there there's going to be four in the first column three two one that's going from i believe right to left is how those ended up so each player is going to put all those out there's going to be three dice in the game that you're going to be rolling the dice are different colored i believe red green and blue those will match some of the cards that you have in front of you when you roll the dice. You will be able to move that appropriate card and any cards on top of it to the left. And what you're essentially trying to do in this game is you're trying to get some of your 
ninjas, samurais, whatever they're supposed to be. I believe ninjas. And you're supposed to try to get those cards into, or at least one card into your opponent's village down at the other side of the table. Of course, the cards are going to cross in a column form as they're going across the table, and that's when combats will ensue. And the whole game is based around rock, paper, scissors. So I can't remember what the exact colors were. I believe red was scissors, so red beat paper, which I think was green, and I believe rock was blue. So they give you a little card with a little circle going around it telling you what, to be, what beats what. And the interesting thing is when the cards are across each other in column form, when you move, you're paying attention to the card that's on the bottom. When you're attacking, you're paying attention to the card that's kind of on the top of the cards, which would be kind of like at the closest card facing you, um, which is kind of like sitting on top of all the other cards. And then you just go through column fight by fight to see who wins what until there's probably only one card left. If there are two cards of the same type, same attack number, those cards will basically move to a space, kind of like they're retreating. But... I thought the game was okay. It's a rock, rock, paper, scissors type game. I kind of preferred some of the other battle line games that Eric and I have played down there um, in the past that I've talked about on several other podcasts. This was an okay game. I don't think it's too expensive if you're looking for, you know, a filler game. I will say there is a little bit of strategy to this because you really do have to think what you move and when you move it because you can move one card with two other cards on top of it. So you can move up to three cards. But, you know, you don't have to. So if you just want to move one card at a time or, you know, three cards, you know, you really can. So there is a little bit of strategy here. Sometimes you really need to kind of look ahead and say, okay, if I put these cards here that are going to attack, how is this whole column of cards going to go out? And several times, you know, Eric and I were like, okay, we're going to do this attack. And I thought I was going to do good. And I ended up losing a couple of cards and he only lost one. And he kind of did the same thing. He, there were a couple of times where he was... He put something out and, you know, the battle didn't go the way you wanted it to because you really kind of have to think and, okay, if this card, you know, makes this card disappear, what's going to be left and what's going to happen to the other cards that are there. But, you know, it's really interesting. The dice give you a little bit of randomness. I Like I said, I prefer some of the other battle line games, though. Um, it was a good game, though. If you're looking for something that's a quick filler game, you know, like we play at the beginning of our evenings down at the game store before other people get there. This is a game we actually got through, I think, two, and I lost both of them. It wasn't starting off for a good night for me that night, but had a good time with it. But before you buy this one, I definitely say give it a shot. Um, Ninja Taizen is what that one, and it's T-A-I-S-E-N is how that one is spelled, and that's for my yellow. All right, we're going to jump over to a little game by TMG. This was a game called Ars Alchemia. I had posted a picture of this one out on Twitter, mentioning that I would be talking about this one on the podcast. It's an interesting little worker placement game. We had a really good time with this one. There are a lot of workers that you're going to be placing onto the board. Uh, just like a lot of worker placement games, you're going to be placing the worker out there to get resources to you know, move tokens or you know, move little tokens that you have on your tableau in front of you. Um, and then once you have um, the allotted number of tokens, you can purchase different quests or designs, I guess you could say. You can purchase different objectives, and those objectives will get you victory points at the end of the game. You can also have a couple of different cards, which are like assistants that you can have in play. The thing with assistants, you have to watch out at the beginning of a round. However many assistants you have in play or that you want to keep in play, you need to pay workers into the pool for them. So when you're starting out this game, you're probably only going to start off putting one, you know, worker down at a particular spot. 
The neat thing about this game, though, is there's a die component to it. And we all know I suck with dice. And of course, I kind of suck with dice with this game. There's only one die. And I, of course, really never got my good roll. I think one time I dropped a whole bunch of workers on there to actually get the get the extra, you know, or the extra resources. And it, it probably wasn't even worth it for me doing it. The additional workers that you put on there can do one of two things. It can block people from possibly going there because if somebody else wants to go there, they have to put one more additional worker there than the previous person who played there. If you put so many workers down on a square, however many you're going over what is needed, those can actually lower the dice roll. So let's say you're going, you're putting one worker on a square and if you need to roll a six, you can get a couple additional resources. Let's say I put three additional workers there that would basically add three to my roll. So if I rolled a three or higher, I would match that six and I would get those additional resources then. So there's a couple of different things that those additional workers could do. And I say that you can place additional workers down there to screw your opponents because in the fourth round of this game, and this game plays over four rounds, that is something that pretty much everybody was doing. Everybody was pretty much trying to stop everybody else from getting some resources to try to, you know, finish those last objectives they had. So you know, the first couple of rounds, everybody's trying to play very, you know, non-aggressively and just trying to collect resources. So they're putting one resource, you know, one worker there and maybe an additional one or two more to to try to lower the, the die roll or help them out with that. But that last round, people were plopping down, you know, five workers at a time. And it was just it was just completely crazy. But it's something that, you know, it's it's part of the game. It's a it's a strategy that we were all using. You know, once somebody once one person did it, everybody kinda was doing it and you know, it's as it comes back around to you and you have one worker left and you're sitting there, where the hell can I put this last worker? And you're looking around, there's nothing I can do with this because everybody has there's so many spots out there with four or five workers that are good and you know, this last worker isn't gonna do anything for you. I had a good time with this game, though, even with the die component. I was a little bummed about that, but it was a fun worker placement game. I will say the game board on this one's a little bit smaller than a normal worker style placement game. The, the game, the cards are a lot smaller, too. And sometimes when we're trying to put some of the cards underneath other cards and we're knocking workers all over. So finally, we just started putting the cards that we had utilized on the outside of the cards because not only... Can you work with or play or put workers on cards that are face up? You can put a worker on the pile of cards, you know, basically draw the card, kind of like a blind draw to actually see what you can get. And several people were getting really good blind draws in this game. Of course, when I did it, just like die rolls, I got crap. That, that just happens, though. It's, you know, it's that randomness of the game. I had a really good time with this one. Ours, Alchemia. This is definitely one that, if you're looking for a little worker placement game, I think we had four people playing, and I don't think it took us probably much more than an hour or so to knock this one out. I'm a little bit longer than I would say a filler game, but um, but a good worker placement game nonetheless. And I'm really surprised Eric had brought this one because he is definitely not a big worker placement fan. So I think he brought that one for me because I do like worker placement games. And I will say, Dot minus the die, I did like the game. It was really good. The art on the cards was really cool. The board looked really nice. They give you a lot of very pastel-colored wooden workers, which is really interesting. I mean, they were they were really the blue was a very pastel blue. The yellow they were they were just very bright colors. The whole game was just very bright. But that game is from TMG Ars Alchemia. Definitely get this one to the table if you like worker placement games. You will probably like this one. After that, we jump over to a little game of City of Spies. I had never played this one before. 
I guess you could kind of say it's like a bluffing style game. What you're trying to do is everybody starting out with a hand of different agents that they're going to be placing around the board. And I think there's four rounds for this game. And the board changes with each round. So at the end of each round, you're picking up all the tiles of the boards, which are different locations. You're shuffling them up and you're putting them down. And when you place one of your cards, one of your agent tiles, I guess you could say, on the board, they will go either face up or face down based on the location that they're going to. Some locations are top secret, which will be placed face down. Others are don't have the word top secret on there, which means they will be, be faced Place, or placed face up. And the spies, I guess you could say, the agents all do different things. There's maybe a spy with a gun on there, which can remove an opponent agent from that particular tile. There is one that can seduce somebody that can draw an agent from another tile over onto the tile you're on. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to have the most points on a particular tile and once the round is over and you're counting points and you're going through all of the different actions, I guess, that can happen. And it's interesting that each tile is divided into four sections. The sections are, are numbered one, two, three, four. So all of the sections will go off in ordered numbers. So if you have somebody who is playing an agent with a gun on the first spot, they will get to kill or remove from the board somebody from two, three, or four. And after all of those actions are kind of done, everybody looks and sees what their total is for their agents on that tile. There is going to be another agent there that's either face down or face up that you will then get to take. At the end of the round, however many agents you collected, you have to make sure you only start the next round with six in your hand. So you have to discard X amount of tokens, however many, or X amount of agents, however many you took that game or however many you won during that particular round. And you have to show everybody which ones you're discarding. And everybody does start out with the same type of agents in their hand. So everybody kind of knows when somebody discards a particular agent, they may not have that particular ability anymore. So let's say you, I discarded the one agent that had a gun on there. If, you know, if people didn't know that I picked up another character or another agent with a gun, they may think I no longer have a gun and can no longer, you know, remove one of their agents from a particular tile. So... You know, there's a lot of strategy going on around here. And when you're placing your agent down on the board, each different tile can sometimes give you a different action. The tile, the, the, the space you place it on could let you maybe look at a face down or top secret tile on your, or, you know, agent on your board. It can let you look at one on an adjacent board, or it can let you look at one on any board, either orthogonally or diagonally. Um, so there's, there's just a lot going on where you can actually look to see What's going there? You can even look at your opponent's agents that they have down there when you're doing that view action. So, you know, you're you're really trying to just stack a particular section of the of the tiles with enough points to be able to get that. And what you're trying to do is end up with the best hand of six agents at the end of the game to meet certain objectives. At the beginning of the game, there's going to be four tiles that are turned over, I believe, for a four-player game it was. Each of those additional tiles, if you have the most of that particular objective, you will get six victory points added on to each of the victory points that are on the individual agents themselves. That, in essence, is the game. There isn't a lot to it. It was a lot of fun. 
Don't know if I'll be adding it to my collection because I don't know how this one would play with two people. I've heard it plays okay with two people, but it just doesn't seem like it would be something that would be really great with two people. It definitely seems to play a lot better probably with three or four. Like I said, we played with four. It was a really great number to play this one with. City of Spies, Estoril 1942 was the name of that game. And that was from Stronghold Games. And that was a good game. Try to get that one to the table as well. All right. And then we're going to jump over to a couple of video games, I guess we could say here real quick. My wife and I were sitting around last night looking around on the PlayStation Store. And one of the things I had noticed when I had looked under the racing, racing section was a game called Horse Racing 2016. I think it was only $12.99. I think it was on sale for PlayStation Plus members. I don't know if it was on sale or if that is the normal price. But when my wife saw that, she was like, huh, that looks kind of interesting. I'd like to play that. So I said, all right. I had a few bucks on my wallet and downloaded that one really quickly. Graphics definitely aren't the world's greatest for a PlayStation 4 game. They are probably look more like a PlayStation 2 or 3 game, I will say. Uh, pretty much what you're trying to do in this game is just trying to race your horse and you're pressing the X button a lot to try to build up um, a meter. Once you get the meter built up, you can actually press the R1 button to whip your horse, which will make the horse go faster. And you then have to, there's a couple of different tracks. There's a straight track. There is a track that looks like a normal style track, you know, like an oval. And then there's also a track with hurdles. To do the hurdles, you have to press the L1 button. We played this game for probably way more than we should have, I guess I should say, because I maybe it was because we were out drinking earlier in the night. I don't know, but we actually had probably more fun than we should have with this little game. I'm going to play it a little bit more. I, I probably won't be spending, you know, 20 or 40 hours with this game. But it's a nice little racing game if you have kids or if somebody likes horses in your house. This is maybe one to check out. I don't think they have a demo out there. You may just have to dump 12 bucks into it to see if you like it or not. Like I said, the graphics are a little definitely not up to standards for a PlayStation 4 game. But for 12 bucks, it is what it is. My wife liked the game. So, hey, sometimes you just have to play what they like. And then I've actually been playing uh, a little... Knights of Pen and Paper plus one on my um, Android phone. And I had actually started playing this, oh, a while ago when I had originally bought it back on my old HTC. Um, and I'm having a great time with it, actually. I actually spent, I think, an extra $2 and bought the DLC for it last night. And um, I, th you, I think you get a witch character, which is an ex the extra character that you get for the DLC, and you get a lot more quests and everything. Um, I've been just trying to level up my characters and just playing it on and off whenever I get a chance. So far, I'm leveling up my characters pretty good. And I'm trying to remember why I stopped playing this game originally. And I think I kind of hit a wall in the first one where I got to a couple of quests that I really just had a hell of a hard time getting past. And so far, I haven't hit that. I mean, there have been some quests where I have had one, one or two people die, but I'm able to revive them with, you know, with some money and stuff like that. So I think my party's actually pretty well-rounded and um, I'm having a good time with the game. Like I said, I spent an extra two bucks on the DLC. I kind of just wanted to see what the extra, what the extra character actually was that came in the DLC. I probably could have looked it up, but I said, what the hell? I got two bucks on, on my account. Let me just throw this over there and just download the DLC real quick and it unlocked immediately. And 
when I saw it was a witch, I said, what the hell? Let's throw that character in my party right away. I had enough money to fill in the last seat for the game. And I'm having a really good time with it. It's like I said, it's probably been well over a year, if not more, since I've actually touched this game. Um, but I've been actually playing it the past week, almost just about nightly before I go to bed, just try to get in a couple of quests, maybe level up a person here or there to see what I can do. And maybe just try to play a little bit more of the story than I did that first time. Hopefully I can maybe get past that wall. I cannot remember how far I actually played the first time. And right now I can't even tell myself if I've actually made it past where I originally was. So I'm actually not even too sure, but I'm still playing it, having a good time with it. And that's been my Android game of the week, Knights of Pen and Paper Plus One. All right, so those are the games I played for the week. Let's talk about a few of the things that I would like to play. I was looking around on Board Game Geek the other night, and I noticed that they had actually added all of their April games and stuff to the store that they have, all the little promo things that they add up there and all the individual games. And one of the games I actually saw in there is a game called Cheers. This looks like it's a Japanese-style game, and I instantly texted my one buddy Eric who has had been over to Japan and brought back a lot of Japanese games I've talked about a lot of his games in the past and he was really surprised that he's like where the hell did you find this one at and I was like on the BGG store it looks kind of fun of course it's about drinking so I instantly thought about my wife and I and it looks like an interesting game where you're kind of working together as a mixologist um, and trying to just figure out the formulas for the different drinks before the, before another team. It looks like it's a three to six player game. So I know I always say I'm kind of not really too keen on three player games, especially since it's just me and the wife here at the house. But this may actually be a game that I might have to pick up. And then my wife and I will have to, or I will take down to the game store with me and she will have to attend one of the gaming sessions we have um, and actually play this one. Cause I have a feeling she would like this one a lot um, with her being an ex bartender. And so this game just looked kind of interesting. Um, we'll see if, it, if, if you know, you can get it any place besides the BGG store. If not, I may have to pick it up from there. I don't think the price was too outrageous. Um, but it looked kind of interesting. And I was like, huh, I wouldn't mind giving that one a shot. Then as I was looking through um, Board Game Geek, I was also noticing that they are putting out a new version of CO2, second edition this is a Vito Lacerda game. I'm a big fan of his. I like a lot of the stuff he puts out. This game, it looks like they're going to be having a new board. New iconography is going to be on there. He's redoing the rule book. They're actually putting in some more wooden pieces into the game than there was originally, where there were just possibly cardboard tokens in the first one. This was a game that several of us who have played some of the heavier games down at the game store had always talked about playing. I believe one of my buddies had actually picked it up at one time. I don't know if he ever got it to the table or not. Um, I had been always interested in playing this game, um, but we've never actually gotten it to the table. I've never seen anybody actually bring it down to game night and want to teach it and, and play through it. So this is something I, you know, the second edition sounds like, you know, when they clean up the rules, they actually make the game a little, little more, you know, little, the presentation a little nicer. You know, I, I look for things like that. I think that's kind of cool. It's a one to four player game. Um, you know, I'm sure the weight on this one will probably be a little heavier being a Vito Lacerda game. His usually are, but I like those things. So I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, maybe seeing what the second edition is all about and maybe adding another one of his games to my collection. And that is CO2 second edition. All right. I think that's it. I think we have made it to the end of another episode. 
Hey, as always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter, at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. Follow me there. I will retweet and tweet out some of the things that I'm playing and then retweet some of the things that I look that look interesting to me from other people that I'm following from the gaming industry. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now, which will be live Sunday evening, which I am really looking forward to some Arcadia Quest campaign. But as always, everybody, thanks for joining me for another episode of the podcast. You know what to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, have a great week playing games, everybody, and I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.